Well, good uh, morning again uh, to you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm going to be just, just very honest uh, with you today. We're starting a, a brand new series, 10 weeks long. Um, and 10 week series for me is, is incredibly long. Um, I can't usually focus on anything for more than about four or five weeks. So most of my sermon series is, are, are usually four or five weeks long. Um, and this one's even different uh, than, than most of the others because it's more of me teaching uh, than it is preaching. Um, and I much prefer to preach than I do to teach. But, but as we talk about heaven, and there are so many um, conflicting ideas about it, there's so many books written about it, so many movies written about it, so many things that are on the, that portray it in such a way, I want to just really stick to what the Bible teaches um, on the subject. Um, and so we're just going to uh, do some teaching in, those, uh, in these sermons over the next 10 weeks. Um, and I want to start, I'm going to tell you, we're going to be talking about today three groups of people. Uh, everybody, anybody, and nobody. Like now everybody, like everybody means different things to, to different people. Like my kid would come home and say, hey, dad, can I go to this party? I would say no every time. Like I never said yes when that was the question. Dad, can I go to a party? No, everybody's going. Everybody but you. Like you, like you, like you are not going. Um, so, so everybody, like, but, but today we're going to, like everybody means everybody, like today. Um, and then we've got anybody. Um, and anybody could be anybody. If I said, does anybody want to come up on stage and uh, be a prop for me today? Like, probably nobody's going to raise their hand, but it could be anybody. Um, and then nobody. And this little sucker lived in my house for a long time, nobody. Like, who ate my candy bar? No, like, nobody ate it. It just disappeared. Like, I don't know if nobody's ever been in your house, but, but he's lived in mine for 18 years, and he just graduated, too. He's going to be moving away. So, like that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I like to make fun of him. Um, but, but that's what we're going to be today, and we're going to have three questions uh, to, to really start like that, that in all of life, there are three great, great questions. Uh, one is, where did I come from? The second one is, why am I here? And the third one is, where am I going? Three, three great questions of life. And in secularism, the, the world will answer the first question uh, this way. Where did you come from? Their answer is, you are sophisticated pond scum. Like you are a complex germ that evolved over billions of years. And if you accept that conclusion, like there is a disturbing reality about the next two questions. Like if you are just a complex germ, then, then really you have no purpose in life. Like the, the why are you here doesn't matter. And then you're going nowhere except into extinction when you die. So what that makes us do is that makes us focus on the, the here and now. That makes us very, very selfish, actually. Like, I, I live on what I did. I, I painted this. This is my job. This is my piece of land. This is the house that I built. This is the golf score that I shot. This, this is the, the athletic achievements that I have. Like, we become very selfish and focused on ourselves, if, that, if that's our answer. But I think there's more than that. Like, that, that's not good enough. You know, anthropologists, have, they've been studying cultures for years. Like, they have yet to find a single culture, present or past, that did not believe in some type of afterlife. They may call it something different than heaven. They may call it nirvana, or some have called it the, the happy hunting ground. Or, but there is something, I believe, in the human heart, in the human spirit, that refuses to believe that I'm just a candle or, or I'm just dust in the wind. And that when we die, we go into extinction. Like there is a spirit 
that, that inside of us that, that believes there must be an answer to the following question, where am I going? And Scripture says this in Ecclesiastes 3.11, and I'm going to be all over the Bible for this, really this entire series, this 10 weeks, so you may want to bring Bibles with you. If you have them on your phones, you can open them up. Um, but I would encourage you to at least write down these Scriptures uh, that I'm going to use and go back through them over the course of the next 10 weeks and make sure that I'm telling you uh, the truth. But Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. It says He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. It said eternity has been planted in your heart. Like your purpose said, is, to, is to live for God. Like that's why you're here. When you die, listen, you're going to meet God. Your destiny is an encounter with God. We're all going from here to eternity. And that's why we're really beginning this study of, of heaven. Because we're all going to, to, to face eternity one day. And whenever you begin a study of a subject in the Bible, or at least when I do, like the first thing I like to do is I like to go to the Gospels and read the red words. Um, because I, I always start with a study by asking, what did Jesus say about this? And, and the reason Jesus has more weight to give on this subject than anyone else is because he has a reason to say, like, he knows what he's talking about. In fact, he was there in the beginning, and he's the only one that is, has experienced death in eternity and, and can tell us about it. You know, there are a lot of experts who want to answer the, those three questions, but Jesus is the only one that's actually gone to the other side, and, and he was able to come back and tell us what's next. And there's a statue of, of Columbus uh, in the city of his birth in, in Spain. You have the statue of a great explorer, and, and at the bottom of it are three Latin words with a lion eating the first word. The three words are in Latin, and it's uh, A plus ultra. It means no more beyond. And for centuries, that was Spain's motto. For centuries, Spain believed that they were the edge of the earth. But in 1492, Columbus proved there was, there was more beyond. So now there's a lion eating the word no. But there's more beyond. And in the same way, when Jesus rose from the dead, he's saying, hey, there are more, there's more beyond. They, that men are going from here to eternity. Like, not everybody in Jesus' day believed that. Like, there was a group of, of people called the Sadducees. Um, and we read about them all throughout the Gospels, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The, the Sadducees, though, they believed that when you died, nothing happened but extinction. So in order to trick Jesus, they came up with this preposterous scenario. They said this, hey, say a man gets married, and he dies, and then the wife remarries, and that man dies, and she does this seven times over. Who's, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And, and Jesus said this in Mark 12, 24 through 27. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. He said, for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. But now as to whether the dead will be raised, haven't you ever read about this in the writings of Moses in the story of the burning bush? said, long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not of the dead. You have made a serious error. So Jesus gave two reasons why that we couldn't understand this third question, or we can't answer this third question. First of all, he said, hey, either you don't know the scriptures, 
or you don't know the power of God. Jesus knew both of those. And he, he strongly urged that, that people live in this life in view of the next. That we look at life through the lens of eternity. That, that we're always ready to value the eternal over the external. And if following Jesus makes your life harder, Jesus would say, you know what, it's worth it because of what comes next. In Matthew 5, 11, and 12, he said this. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. To rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So following Jesus may be difficult, but he would say it's worth it because in the end, you get this eternal reward. And then he would say, hey, following Jesus can bring you great joy. And many of us have experienced that in our life. Like I've had a, a magnificent time following Jesus. I have a great joy. And Jesus sent his disciples out, though, on a mission. And they reported back and said, hey, like we, we preached, we healed the sick, we cast out demons, we did all these things. And Jesus told him in Luke 10, 20, he said, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. You know, one of the most well-known things that Jesus said, and, it was, and this is the reason why we should look at life through, through a lens of eternity and not just the, the now, he said this in Matthew 16, 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You know, Jesus did not uh, preach or teach this gospel of, of life enhancement or the prosperity gospel that, that so many people preach today. Like that was created by the American church. That was created by us. Like we preach a gospel that says this, hey, you come to Jesus and we'll meet all of your needs. We'll teach you how to be consumers and our job will be to, be to try to keep you, the customer, happy. And if you're not happy, we'll bend over backwards to do whatever we have to to make sure that you're happy. That's not what Jesus taught. That's a serious error in the church. Jesus didn't preach any of those things. Jesus didn't guarantee that, hey, if you follow me, your life is going to be hunky-dory. He didn't say, if you follow me, you're gonna have an easy life. But what he did was guaranteed the next life. He said that you're going from here to eternity, so you need to live like it, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And there's a lot to be said about the things Jesus said, and, and he said he was coming back. But today, I just want to sum them up in three, three statements, really. And the first one is this. Jesus was clear that everybody, there's that person, everybody, will be raised and judged. Physical death ends no one's existence. Every human being will be raised from the grave and has a court date in the future. Like, the, you're not going to skip it. There's no absences. Today, today, if you have enough money or enough influence, you know the right people, you can put off your court date. But not this date. Everybody will be raised and will be judged. Jesus said this in John 5, 24 and 29. He said, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that a time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Do not be surprised. 
Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Jesus told many parables about us, in fact. It wasn't just that one thing. He would start, he would tell people parables about sheep and, and goats, or, or good fish and bad fish, or wheats and tares, or foolish virgins and wise virgins. He said, there's coming a time, there's going to be a great judgment to start the next age. And not only did Jesus say it's coming, he said, hey, there's, there's not a third group. There's only two groups. So you're either in this group or you're in that group. And he said this, he said, a lot of people are actually going to be shocked at the verdict on that day because they thought they were in this group. He said this in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. So on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You know, a few, a few months ago, many of you probably got an email um, from uh, Pastor Josh Conley. It wasn't me, but, but you got an email and they were, there was somebody asking for money for you to send gift cards. By the way, I will never do I will probably never email any of you, really. Uh, like, so if you get an email from me, it's not from me. I don't email very often. It's not because I don't like you. It, it's just because I would talk to you face to face. But somebody pretending to be me was trying to rip off a bunch of people. Like, I hope that person gets caught. Like, I hope they stand before a judge someday. And the judge will say to them, hey, you're guilty of wearing a name that you had no right to wear. You're guilty of pretending to be someone who you were not. But the fact is with that, they're probably never going to catch this guy. At least not in this life. But Jesus said, but in the life to come, that you'll stand before a judge who knows exactly who you are. And some people will be shocked on that day when Jesus says, hey, you wore a name that you had no right to wear. You pretended to be somebody that you really weren't. And on that day, the judgment will be fair and that judgment will be clear. Not everybody will go to heaven. But anybody can. And that's the second thing Jesus made clear. He said anybody who trusts in him will be welcomed into heaven. Now Jesus' view of, of life after death was, was controversial. Even in his time. But it was consistent. He always said your eternal destiny hinges on your relationship with me. In John 6.40 he said this, for, my fa- for it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last days. The great question on Judgment Day will not be, how much did you sin? Like, that's a mistake that a lot of people make. Well, I didn't sin this much, or I didn't sin as much as that person, or, 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 or listen, being good enough is never going to be good enough to get you into heaven. Nobody goes to heaven because they're good enough. The great question on Judgment Day is going to be, how much did you trust God's goodness in answer for your sin? Like, that's the question. Jesus said this, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. One of the best known verses in the Bible, John 3, 16, says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved 
the whole world. But only believers go to heaven. Only people that believe that Jesus is the Son of God can have eternal life. So the question is, how much do you trust Jesus? And he said this in John 14, 1 through 3. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. He said, there's more than enough room in my Father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? He said, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know, throughout the next 10 weeks, nine weeks, really, we're gonna discover what heaven will be like. But right here, Jesus gives us some clear clues. You know, there's a song by Mercy Me that I can only imagine. And I like the song. They actually made, made a movie from that song. Um, it says, when it comes to heaven, like, I, I believe, though, that you can do more than only imagine. I believe there are some very clear indicators in the scriptures of what our next home will be like. First of all, Jesus said there are many rooms. You know, heaven's gonna be a place of community. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place of, of friendship. Like, get used to people because they'll be there. And they may have a room right next to you. Like Jesus said, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Like heaven is, is a place. It's a physical place that you're going to be raised to a physical, tangible body and you're going to live in a place. You're not gonna live on a cloud or or gonna have wings and float around. Like, like, that's Hollywood stuff. And Jesus said, hey, I'm coming for you. Like, heaven is a place of, of unique identity. Like, we're not going to be genderless clones in heaven. Like, he wants you, your personality, your uniqueness, the things that, that make you, you. Like, that's why he created you in the first place. He said this, he said, so you can live with me. Like, that's the most important thing to know about heaven is that it's a place of unlimited capacity and opportunity to fellowship with God because that's what we were made for. You know, I think the greatest picture of, in all of heaven, of all the scriptures that we have of heaven is actually in the Garden of Eden. When God originally created man and he put him in this garden and he created woman and God walked with them and God talked with them, that's how close he was. And that's the same intimacy he wants with us now. And I believe there's something that's deep in our soul that longs for that relationship, that longs for that connection with God. And there's a story about a boy in a park, and he was flying a, a kite on a real cloudy day. And he'd flown the kite up above the cloud line, and, and a, a man walked by and asked him, say, what are you doing? And the boy said, well, I'm, I'm flying a kite. And he said, well, I can't see it. He said, how do you even know it's there? The little boy said, I can feel the tug. Like, that's how you can know heaven is real. Like, you feel the tug. Deep in your soul, you know that you were made for more than this. You know that there's more to this life than going to work every day and coming home and dealing with the kids and raising kids and, and cutting the grass. You know that there's more to life than that deep inside of you. You feel the tug. And Jesus said, anybody who trusts me will be welcome into heaven. It is the most inclusive invitation ever offered. Anybody can accept it. But it's also the most exclusive ever offered. Because he said this in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He said, all roads do not lead to the same place. Jesus said, your eternal destiny hinges on what you think about me. The third thing that Jesus was clear about, he was clear about nobody that rejects him will escape eternal hell. And this is the part where where some preachers would, would love to be shouting and excited and like, listen, and this, this part's not exciting to me. 
This part is, is heartbreaking to me. Jesus would tell the story of, of the sheep and goats, and he said this in Matthew 25, 41. He said, then he will say to those on his left, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. And then in verse 46, he said, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Did you know that Jesus spoke more about hell than anybody else in the Bible? He, he was, in fact, he was an expert on hell because he'd been there and done that. He knew as he's hanging on the cross, he, he cried out those three words, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew what it was like to be forsaken by God. And he would use three metaphors to describe hell. He would say it's darkness. Hell is going to be a place of total isolation. Eternal loneliness of the soul. And I've heard people say, like, well, there's going to be a big party when we go to hell. Nope. You're going to be isolated from everyone. It's going to be complete darkness. Jesus would use the word fire to, to describe hell. Like, and I don't know if it's a literal fire, I don't know if it's figurative, but here's what he was trying to say. Hell will be a place of discomfort physically. It's going to be painful. He said there's going to be gnashing of teeth. And gnashing of teeth is a sign of, of self-reproach and remorse. Have you ever been driving way too fast and you see the blue lights behind you? I mean, you're, you're, you're gnashing your teeth. Dang it! You're regretting, regretting the decision that you'd made to drive too fast. And that's what Jesus is saying, that hell will be a place of eternal remorse, that you're regretting the life that you've lived. You know, some people think, and it's very common, man, the God that I worship, uh, a loving God, he would not send people to a place like that. But I'll just tell you, the God that I worship and the God that, that of love, I think if he's a God of love, he must make a place called hell. Max Lucado writes this. He said, how could a loving God send people to hell? He said, that's a commonly asked question. He said, the question itself reveals some misconceptions. First, God does not send people to hell. He simply honors their choice. Hell is the ultimate expression of God's regard for the dignity of man. He's never forced us to choose him, even when that means we could choose hell. C.S. Lewis said this, there are only two kinds of people in the end, those that have said during their lifetime, God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says at the end of the day, thy will be done. All who are in hell choose it. C.S. Lewis would say later, he said, I believe that the damned are in one sense successful rebels to the end and that the doors of hell are locked on the inside. Max Lucado would continue, no, God does not send people to hell. Nor, he said, that's the second misconception. The word people is neutral, implying innocence. Nowhere does Scripture teach that innocent people are condemned. People do not go to hell, sinners do. The rebellious do. The self-centered do. So how could a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. He simply honors the choice of sinners. Listen, if God forced you to love him, he would be less than love. If you want to keep your distance from God, if you want to go through life with God at arm's length, if you want to live a life that says, God, I need my space, then one day on that great day of judgment, God will honor your choice for eternity. It's really your choice. 
What will you do with Jesus? When Calvin Coolidge was, was the vice president, he was presiding over the Senate, and two senators got into a very heated argument, and one of them said to the other, he said, you can go straight to hell. The offended senator looked at, looked at the vice president and said, did you hear that? He just told me to go to hell. Coolidge looked up and, and pointed to the Bible that he was holding and said, well, I've been reading the book, and it says you don't have to. You don't have to go. This is clear, and this is, is no one in hell will say, God put me here. God put hell on his son so that we would not have to go. You know, it's not so much that people get cast into hell, but they get there on their own when they walk past the cross that God put in their way to keep them out of hell. Your sin will get judged, but God has granted you the dignity to choose where. You can choose to have your sins judged on the cross in the person of Jesus, or you can choose to have your sins judged in hell. God gave you that choice. If you choose hell, it won't be because God sent you there. So no one in hell will say, God put me here. And just the same, no one in heaven will say, I put myself here. Our first glimpse of God in heaven, of his holiness, of his purity, and his righteousness, will put us on our knees with this eternal gratitude that God would make a way for sinners to go home. That God would make a way for sinners, rebels, to be called sons and daughters. To, to receive an inheritance that, that will never spoil, perish, or fade. What will you do with Jesus? I'm going to ask you to stand today. And I'm going to pray. And if there's a decision that you need to make, so I'm going to ask you to come forward. Todd will be up here. I'll be up here. We'd love to talk to you about that decision. Father God, today, I'm thankful for this place that, that we call heaven. Thankful that, that inside of all of us, whether, whether we want to admit it, whether we say that we believe it or not, Father, we, we have this, this, this spirit inside of us that knows that there's more than just what we see on this earth. There's more than just the, the daily life that we live. And God, you put that there to draw us to you. I'm thankful, Father, that you've made a way in, for eternity for us to spend it with you in this amazing place. And Father, I pray today for all those in the room, all those who are watching online, all those who are on this stage, that we'll really look at that question of what will we do with Jesus. It's not about our goodness. It's not about our service. It's not about, it's not about any of those things. It's about have we accepted the gift that you gave us through your son Jesus so that we may be called sons and daughters. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.